Hello, and welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, episode 69, The Conquest of Peru, part 8. When we left off last time, Pizarro and his Spaniards had just entered Cusco without a fight. It had recently been vacated by an enemy, Kiskis, the first Inca leader to show outright resistance to their presence. Kiskis was not the emperor, however. The Spanish had engineered things so that Manco Yupanqui had just been given the title. Manco had initiated this arrangement himself, and perhaps he hoped to be more than just a puppet under Spanish control. Unfortunately, we don't know what Manco Yupanqui's thoughts and plans were at this time. Manco and the Spanish started off working together, but simultaneously pursuing their own aims. Manco raised an army, an act which shows that his position was at least tolerated, if not accepted, by the lords in Cusco. And this was supplemented with Spanish soldiers. The aim was to find Kiskis, and at the very least, chase him away from the Cusco region. They did indeed find him nearby, and while they couldn't defeat him, they were able to push him north, and out of the way for now. Both Manco and the Spanish also started rebuilding Cusco, which had been damaged by first the civil war, then the earlier Spanish looting, and finally by Kiskis's occupation. They had different visions for this, however. Manco set about restoring the temples, and trying to restore the city to what it had been, Pizarro started planning out a Spanish city, with all the things Spanish colonial settlements had. A church, a grid system, houses for the Spanish settlers who would make it their home, doing so at the expense of the current population. It was Pizarro's vision which largely won out, highlighting where the power lay in the new relationship. There was definitely no doubt where the power lay when it came to the politicking between the Cusco faction and the northern Atahualpa loyalists. Before they arrived in Cusco, there may have been some within the northern faction who hoped to convince Pizarro that they should be favoured, despite Kiskis's hostility. Perhaps they could argue that the general did not represent their views. They could try to bring him in, or if they felt that they had sufficient influence over Pizarro, then the more cynical of them might suggest turning on Kiskis. This had been made impossible now, by Kiskis's constant and effective attacks, and by the succession of Manco Yupanqui. Their cause was lost. Pizarro had chosen the lords of Cusco, and now they had lost all influence. As it stood... They were better off going into open rebellion with Kiskis than trying to change the course of events in the capital. For the next year, Pizarro and his men, once they felt they had Cusco secured, would spend their time trying to bring security and control to the rest of the Inca Empire. They would travel from place to place with armies made up of indigenous allies to persuade or force indigenous non-allies to rejoin the Inca-slash-Spanish hybrid empire. When Pizarro reached the coast, he founded a new city, and he named it 
la ciudad de los reyes, a city of kings. He needed a place on the coast, which could be the point of entry and exit for his viceroyalty. Over the coming years, the importance of this function and the decline of Inca power would sideline Cusco and Huelca, which was at the moment their capital. This new city would take over that role. Its name would also change. It would soon be known as Lima. It's still the capital of Peru today. Spain needed an entry point to Peru because people were now arriving. A secondary advantage of founding a new city was that now Pizarro really did have to get on with that colonizing he had promised the king. His brother Hernando had arrived in Spain and he was reporting on their progress. He gave the king his share of the gold and silver which they had plundered as well as a very positive account of what had happened since they arrived in Peru. The king was satisfied and authorised Pizarro to continue his activities. He also provided more men for Ananda to take back with him. Word of the riches to be found in Peru was spreading across the Spanish population, and like gold rushes throughout history, it drew people in. It was not just Ananda bringing the news. Others who had been part of the initial group had made it back to Spain and told stories of the riches of the Inca Empire. Some of them had spoils of war to spend, and so they provided an example of how well you might do if you went there yourself. And the news was not just confined to Spain. It reached the pre-existing colonies in the Americas as well, bringing in more conquistadors from there. Besides consolidating his control over the indigenous peoples, Pizarro and his soldiers had to bring some sort of order to these arrivals as they marched around Peru. They had to keep an eye on them, not for the good of Spain, but for the good of Pizarro and Almagro. We have seen time and time again in this podcast that ambitious Spaniards will happily turn up and infringe on the territories and successes awarded and won by those who were already there. These threats could even come from within. Pizarro and Almagro obviously wanted to stop that. But we are about to see it happen again. Almagro had been given command of the army, which had chased Kiskis away from southern Peru. And now it was his job to chase him down. He took de Soto with him. As he moved north, however, he learned that the man who had been left in charge of San Miguel that distant, early settlement Pizarro had first founded, had decided to partake in some unauthorised conquering of his own. Sebastián de Belalcaza was a veteran of the Americas, having possibly arrived on one of Christopher Columbus's voyages. He had spent time in the colony in what is today Nicaragua, having fought in its conquest, and he also owned land in Panama. This probably made him a good candidate to guard the Spaniards' rear base. But most likely, it also made him feel that he was missing out, as all the action took place to the south. If you remember, back to the beginning of the series, the expedition had been launched from Panama, sailing down the coast to southern Ecuador and Peru. There was then no Spanish presence in either today's Ecuador or Colombia 
besides some newly founded cities on Colombia's Caribbean coast. But Alcazar saw an opportunity, and so he decided to go north. A few days ago, I arrived back in Bogota, Colombia. I'm delighted to be back in Latin America, surrounded by all the sights and sounds I love. It's been a while since I was here, though, and my Spanish has become a little rusty. Have you ever learned a language for a trip abroad, to connect with family and friends, or simply just for the fun of it? You might know what I mean. To help get me back up to scratch, I've been using Rosetta Stone. It's been perfect for this, allowing me to pick up at the level that I'm at, rather than starting from the beginning. And as it's available on both desktop and as an app on my phone, and lessons can be downloaded for use when not connected to the internet, I've been able to make use of time spent on planes and buses. I've already noticed a difference as I engage in conversations with locals and navigate everyday interactions in shops, restaurants and museums. Its true accent speech recognition feature has helped me to perfect my pronunciation and encourage me to think in Spanish as well as just attempting to speak it. Over 30 years, Rosetta Stone has perfected its language learning method to create a program which is immersive, intuitive, and designed to promote long-term retention. It's also great value, with its current half-price membership giving you access to 25 languages for life. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Latin American History Podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country... Buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. He hoped that, at worst, he would gain some glory and riches. Perhaps at best he might be able to stake out his own independent territory. Before he could deal with that, Tiel Magro had to find out what had happened to Huauca, as it was at this point still the Spanish capital, and it lay directly north of Cusco, 
It was an obvious target for Kiskis. When Alamagra arrived, he found things better than he might have feared. Kiskis had indeed tried to take the city, and the small number of Spaniards there would have been unable to resist his army. They had been fortunate, however. The people of Huauja were not Quechua-speaking Inca, and they had never willingly been part of the empire. They must have judged the Spanish as the lesser of two evils, and they added their much greater numbers to the fight to repel Kiskis. They had been successful, and so he continued northwards to the northern faction stronghold in today's Ecuador. Of course, this meant that he, and Almagro following him, were headed to exactly the same place as Belo Cazar. Along the way, Almagro picked up small bands of newly arrived Spaniards, pressing them immediately into action. There was, however, another group of Spaniards who had no intention of helping out. One led by someone we already know quite well. Having caused chaos across Central America, and despite being made governor of Guatemala, in my view, perhaps the most brutal conquistador we've come across so far, Pedro de Alvarado, had fallen out with Cortes. With his seemingly bottomless well of greed and ambition, de Alvarado had heard of the riches to be gained in Peru, and of course, he couldn't resist trying to get in on the action. He set off by sea from Panama, and landed on the coast of Ecuador. As always, rather than putting all their focus on the enemy army, which they needed to defeat, the Spanish now had three different factions, all racing each other for their own personal gain. As always, or at least as happened most often, they still came out on top. The conquistador model obviously proved to be extremely successful for the Spanish, but sometimes I can't help but wonder if they could have achieved even more if they weren't always fighting each other and if they acted as a unified force. Perhaps it was the competition that was their secret. Ecuador was where the Atahualpa loyalists were based, and so it wasn't just Quisquis and his army the Spanish had to fight. Belalcazar was the first to face increasing, but so far small-scale resistance as he marched north. He was distracted momentarily by the eruption of Cotopaxi, the world's highest volcano. He and his men were unharmed, but not being used to seeing erupting volcanoes, it must have been spectacular and frightening. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Behind him, still in what is today northern Peru, Almagro decided to found a new city to try and secure Pizarro's claim there. He named it Trujillo, after Pizarro's hometown in Spain. Soon afterwards, he caught up with Belalcazar. Unfortunately, information about this part of the conquest is lighter than it is for other parts. It's hard to piece together an exact account of what happened in what order. We do know that before Almagro arrived, Belalcazar had managed to form an alliance with the Canyari people, one of the indigenous groups who the Inca had conquered. He had been making slow progress, but with this big influx of men to his army, he was making progress all the same. Almagro found him near to where the city of Quito stands today, and the two seemed to have decided that they would work together. Belalcazar apparently wasn't prepared to go into full rebellion against Pizarro. It wasn't long before de Alvarado arrived, and while he no doubt would have been happy to defy Pizarro and Almagro, he was no longer in a position to do so. The climb up into the mountains had been harsh and difficult. He had lost many of his men along the way. As he always did, he behaved viciously to the indigenous people he met, destroying any chance of forming alliances. Any claim to the area he might try to concoct was also undermined by the fact that Almagro had just founded the city of Quito, again solidifying Pizarro's claim. The Alvarado could no longer say that this land was unoccupied. By Spaniards, of course. That was what mattered to the Spanish king. As he hobbled up into the city, Almagro met him and made him an offer. He would pay the Alvarado over the odds to buy his men and equipment off him, and in return, the Alvarado would leave. The amount was just enough to make the journey worthwhile, even if he had hoped for much more. So de Alvarado accepted. He walked back down to the coast, and he left for Guatemala. The Spanish had managed to avoid military conflict amongst themselves, and there was to be no great showdown with Kiskis either. He had hoped to consolidate himself in Ecuador and create a base from which he might be able to attack southwards again. Belalcazar's efforts had undermined this base, however, and it was increasingly starting to look like the war he was waging was unwinnable. As the Spanish ensconced themselves in Quito, he was forced to hide in the mountains and to raid whenever he could. As time wore on, his troops started deserting and he became weaker and weaker. In the end, he was murdered by his own men. That marked the end of the movement of Atahualpa loyalists. I'm not sure what happened to Atahualpa's child son, but he had nobody to fight for him and no hope of gaining power. Militarily, the northerners were defeated. Politically, they were outcast by Pizarro and Manco Yupanqui.
You've been listening to the Latin American History Podcast, written and recorded by Max Sargent. For more information, visit the website www.maxargent.com slash the history of Latin America. And that's spelt M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to get in contact at History of Latin America Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find the Facebook page by searching for the Latin American History Podcast. The Twitter handle is at History Latin AM. And if you've liked the show, you can help out by leaving a review on iTunes. Alternatively, if you visit the website, you'll see that each episode is accompanied by relevant photos. Most of these are my own, taken during my time in Latin America. All these photos and more are available to purchase as prints at my Etsy shop. You can find this at www.etsy.com slash photo. That's spelt www.etsy.com slash M-A-X-S-E-R-J-E-A-N-T photo. Thanks for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.